Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast, your guide for growing lawn care and landscape startups into a thriving business. This show is dedicated to helping you improve your business and achieve financial success. Your host, Paul Jamison, is the best-selling author of Cut That Grass and Make That Cash and The Lawn Care Advantage, winning strategies for a thriving landscaping business. Join us as Paul shares his expertise and passion, helping you create a prosperous future. Now, here's your host, Paul Jamison. Well, guys, welcome to Atlanta. We got Jonathan Potoshnik, known as the Lawn Care Millionaire here at the LCR Summit. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, nice to see you again. I don't have my list of all the businesses you run, but I know City <laughs> Turf in Dallas, yeah. or north of Dallas. Yep. Service Autopilot, you started. Yep. And uh, you mentioned you had other businesses. Service Autopilot Academy. There's just a variety of other things that I do, yeah. Okay. Well, I want to dive into what you talked about today because it was very convicting and inspiring uh, about focus and things of that nature. But at the end of your talk, you said this phrase, a business athlete. Mm, okay. And my, my little belly's flopping around <laughs> and I, uh, I've gained a little weight. Yeah. I'm trying to get into shape. What did you mean by business athlete? It's something I've thought about recently. I've thought about it before, but I maybe I heard that word, that language somewhere. And as we get older (laughs) and we're building these businesses, how do you keep your energy level up? How do you keep your excitement level up? How do you show up in the best possible way to your team members who you're wanting to coach and mentor and grow? How do you show up in the best way to your clients? And of course, at home, how do you do this? But we're talking from a business context. And I've really thought about this. Professional athletes in sports are hardcore. The great ones are hardcore about how they're eating, how they're exercising, what they're letting into their mind, the maybe the supplementation, just all these different areas. And that's what allows them to perform at a super high level. And if they don't do that, they will not be some of the most competitive people in the world. Whereas for whatever reason, as business owners, which is also a competitive sport, we seem to think, and I include myself in this uh, 100%, we seem to not think about, we think we should be good performers in business, but we forget what fuels great performance. While those individuals might be more physical on the court, we are very physical from the standpoint of the brain power that's being used and the energy that's required. And if we're not doing the same things, how do we think we're going to be building the best companies and the best leaders in our 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s? Also, I just, I'm finishing up a three-year sabbatical. And I knew this going in, but if I've learned anything, I absolutely want to keep working. The idea of being retired, which was never my intent, even the word retirement, I do not like that word. Mm -hmm. If you have found your place in life and you love hanging out with other entrepreneurs and you like making progress and growth and improvement, Why would you want to stop playing that game if all your best friends and all your favorite people and the most inspiring conversations all happen when you're with other business people? Why would you want to stop playing that game? That's like certain a certain way to put yourself in the grave early. After taking a three year sabbatical, I'm more convinced than ever. I want to play this game long term. Well, in our 20s, we can just power through and do all the dumb stuff and keep showing up. And but as you get a little older, as I'm starting to get, you know, as I got into my 40s, like. I still have pretty good energy, but I'm noticing some little weak spots. And as I progress through my 40s, I'm like, it just reminds me that 
If I want to play this game that I love so much into my 70s and 80s and stay in the game and be around all my favorite people and and be able to be around younger and younger people that are the ones who are going to run the future of this world, I better have some energy. I better have some excitement. And so the business athlete thing is something that's been in my mind. Like it is core to success to be healthy and energetic. And health comes from exercise, comes from diet, it comes from sleep, it comes from all these areas. It's all available to us. And so we as business leaders minimize that for the sake of more hours of work. Yet uh, we are sacrificing the very fuel that makes more hours of work and longevity in the thing we most love. Um, We're sacrificing that by not thinking this way. When have you been at top performance or are you at that stage right now? No, I'm not at that stage right now because I have been on a three-year sabbatical. And when you live your life on vacation um, and you're in Italy and they serve the most incredible bread in the world and they have the best desserts and the best restaurants and the best pasta, you consume those things, no matter what story you tell yourself. <laughs> Our best success has actually been in Asia, where they tend to eat a little bit better. Asia, we've been able to be a little bit more healthy. We start a lot of our trips and we're like, okay, we're not going to, we're not really having much alcohol. We're uh, not going to eat the desserts. We're going to be good. You know, we do a lot of hiking and walking. So we're getting in some, I'm not getting my normal workouts, but we're, and we make it about a week. And then it starts to slip in and it's like, you know what? There's only two weeks left in this trip. Let's just, you know, it's like, it just, you slowly uh, degrade your. Only two <laughs> weeks left in this trip. Most people go on vacation for like one week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we only have, you ever been on vacation and it's like, it's Tuesday. And you're like, oh, we got to leave in a couple of days. It's like, we only have two weeks left. <laughs> I, that is funny. That is true. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, to, to answer your question, no, I am not in peak shape right now. And, you know, I was, I gave this talk here earlier and I talk, I was talking about the difference between who you see yourself as and who you uh, think you show up as and who you really are. And right now I'm not congruent in that area. I am not the best version of myself as compared to where I've been in the past um, from a uh, physical health. I work out, but working out doesn't overcome bad decisions in Italy mm-hmm. and uh, from an eating standpoint. So yeah, no, I have some, I have some what is your current training diet <clears throat> supplements? What is your plan currently from an eating? Oh, I'll start with the exercise. I, I, um, I've spent a lot of money over time on what I would call performance or longevity medical stuff. It's not insurance based, so it's kind of ex- it's very expensive, and you know, kind of coming into that, you there are all these very unique. I'm going to get to your question, but there are all these very unique maybe therapies that could potentially lead to higher performance or better longevity. But if I've learned anything, it's just the basics. It's as you would say, the blocking and tackling. It's I think based on everything I've learned, exercise is probably at the top of the list. It's the number one then it's probably sleep, then it's probably diet. Um, And then somewhere in there, like good, but way down the list is supplementation. And so it's really the core stuff that we all know that we all can do. And so for me, I am, when I was building businesses and I've always been somebody that continued to work out, I've always cared about my diet, but my workouts would have been less consistent 
or I was way more willing to sacrifice them. Where I'm at now, thinking about my future, I will never again not work out every day of the week. Wow. Seven days a week? Never. Yeah. And, and, and that might mean on the seventh day, I'm just walking three miles. But I will never... There are times when we're on these trips and we're traveling, like I didn't get a workout in this morning. You stay up really late and like, you know, you probably should still get in the work. I didn't get it. I won't get it today. So there will be times you don't do that. But if, if other than a situation like that, I will work out every day. And sometimes working out will just mean a long, really long walk. And I believe that is the foundational item. And so for me, my workouts are trying to do some form of strength training three to four times a week. Um, you have a trainer or are you doing this just right now I'm doing it myself, but when I'm not traveling so much, I plan to get a trainer again. Uh, all great results come from coaches and it's easy to half-ass things when you don't have somebody pushing you. And so it's just, if you want breakthroughs, if you want to go faster in life, coaches are the way to get there. And so for me, that account, I will go back to that. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, just another random thing. Since you asked, as I'm getting older, I tore what in my shoulder, this thing called a supraspinatus uh, that kind of wraps around your shoulder. I tore it lifting super heavy. I got back into lifting and um, I was using this machine called an ARX machine. I think it's one of the most awesome machines. And uh, I basically started lifting too heavy, too fast. And the machine enabled it. And I tore this and it put me behind six months and I had to do the rehab. What I've learned from that, and then I crashed my dirt bike and I tore my MCL on my knee. It's been an interesting year. But what I've learned from this is over the years from a, and I can, you know, you know me, I can just get talking here. So I'm giving you a long answer, but I think this is important. Um, I've learned that as we get older from, since we're per, per, uh, talking very specifically about the strength training side, we don't train all the little muscles. Mm. You know, you're doing the curls, the bench, the squats. Those are the big movements that definitely give you the biggest gains. But you've got all these other muscles around those big muscles that have become weak. And so that's where all the injuries come from. And I think when you think about longevity and performance as you get older and you're in business or you're wanting to continue working out, if you don't really work on those items, then you're going to hurt yourself and then you're going to quit working out. Then you're going to develop bad habits. So I've really over this year focused on working on all the smaller muscle groups, which I don't enjoy. I want to just do the big stuff, but I think it's the key to you know, being well-rounded and, and such. So uh, I'll finish up here on the, on the fitness thing. Then I will row, walk, bike, somewhat run, and I will fill those things. I do hit uh, hit type workout, and those things are all random to fill in the rest of the week. Do you go to a local gym or just in your house? Or my house. Okay. Yeah. You build in the basement garage, or where'd you build up? Upstairs, uh, there was a like a second living room kind of area mm -hmm. in the house, and we don't have any need for a second living room kind of areas. It's sort of a space that was for the kids. Mm -hmm. They uh, there's a media room off it and such, and we um, we had it was wood floors with some carpet on top of it, like this decorative carpet. We pulled that up and we put in solid black matting like you'd have in a gym and we put in some of the core pieces of so when you got your big 50 pound dumbbells and drop it like ronnie coleman it doesn't go through the roof it doesn't but it's it's still not a good idea <laughs> upstairs in the house because underneath it is still a wood floor yeah. <laughs> yeah so we've turned that in i do like the gym because i think that it brings your energy level up when you walk in i think environments are important mm -hmm. and so my preference would would actually be to work out at the gym but it's all about what you will actually show up and do on a consistent basis. And this makes it pretty easy. And so the future is 
either having a coach come to my house mm-hmm. or it's me getting back into a gym environment. My wife craves the same thing. Okay. So that was, you know, that's the fitness side, which I think is the most important. And the walks are just around your neighborhood mm-hmm. or on a treadmill or? No, I, I like being outside. Okay. And so I don't own a treadmill. We have a row machine and a bike, but I don't own a treadmill. And so I, um, I like to just go walk and listen to podcasts and audiobooks. And uh, I'm walking. I live in a neighborhood with 20, uh, just like maybe 20 houses or 22 houses. But thank, and I live on four acres. But it's I'm really fortunate that um, my neighborhood can connect to a na- another neighborhood that's massive. I can sort of get to it. And so I can piece together neighborhoods mm-hmm. that I can continue to walk in. So I'm not wor- walking on these small little roads where I'm going to get taken out by a car. I want to get <laughs> back to diet and, and supplements, but you mentioned audiobooks. And last mm-hmm. time we hung out in Nashville, you recommended a psychology book by Robert Caldini, I think his influence. name is. Yeah, influence. Yeah. About halfway through. Oh, good. Do you um, like it so far? Yes. It's, a, it's, it's deep for me. It is. So it's, it's, it is. It's really good. Uh, what are your top three audiobooks? Hmm. Top three. So I am a fan of influence. The problem is if I looked at my books, I would probably be able to give you a better answer. But a book, so I'll just go with what comes to mind. Uh, there's a book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. He built a technology company and he's built a lot of companies and he's a prominent venture capitalists, arguably one of the most successful of all venture capitalists. And what I like about that book from a business standpoint for business owners is it just reminds you that this game is hard. And you know that because we live it. Mm-hmm. And it it's a conversation around overcoming those things and fighting through them. And I think it's an encouraging book for business owners. And then the next book that comes to mind is by Chet Holmes. And the name has slipped my mind the, the Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Those would be the three top books that come to mind. And the Chet Holmes book is a very, it touches on a lot of aspects of business from, and I haven't read the book in years, but it touches on marketing, it touches on sales, it touches on building team, it touches on a variety of items. And it has okay. one of my, I'll say one more thing, has one of my favorite concepts in it, and he didn't come up with it, but it's called the Dream 100 concept. And the gist of that concept is that you, you figure out who you are for. And I, I alluded to this a little bit today when I was talking, but you figure out who you're for and then you take massive action. You like, at the example would be you pick the hundred clients that you're going to get them in the future years. You think about them every moment, all the time, and you constantly get in front of them through marketing, through sales, until you make them your clients. And you may not make them your all your clients, but that singular focus, that thought all the time and that effort that you're constantly making will end up, you know, getting you to where you go with the ideal client. And it's a, I would, it's a one chapter, I believe in that book. And I, it's something I would hide that just that to zero your mind on focus around building is worth reading the book just for that one chapter. Wow. I'll definitely add that to the list. Yeah. The ultimate sales machine, the ultimate sales machine. Synced live 2024 in Atlanta, Georgia is the premier event in the green industry that showcases unique products and solutions for your business from top industry leaders, sharing their knowledge through engaging presentations to networking opportunities with top industry brands and fellow attendees all on the showroom floor. Get your tickets at SyncLive.com and join us this February in Atlanta where landscape design builds and maintenance come together under one roof. You're out there in the field, mowing lawns, making money, working hard, but for every dollar you make, you're worried. 
Worried that you spend too much, worried that you won't make payroll, or worried you'll generate a big financial mistake? Simply put, you don't know your numbers. You're not alone. The Landscaping Bookkeeper has helped dozens of eager lawn care owners organize their numbers, learn the language of business, and build a solid financial foundation. Start your journey from simply earning money to creating a long-lasting source of income today by scheduling a free 15-minute phone call at thelandscapingbookkeeper.com. If you want to earn more money in your business, it may be as simple as raising your prices. Braden used our price increase letter, and what happened? Well, we've actually been in business for 32 years now. My dad started it, and then he handed the reins over to me, and in 32 years, he'd never increased the prices ever, and I knew that we had to make a change, so we actually got your price increase letter, increased the price by 20%, and um, we were doing around a million gross, up that to 1.2, and we had eight cancellations through the entire thing, so we raised our prices through that letter about 200 Say that. Say that one more time. Two hundred thousand dollars that was sitting on the table that we weren't getting access to just through a letter. So it it helped us out big time. So do you think the price increase letter uh, provided ROI for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, beyond is probably the best investment we've made in thirty-two years. (laughs) That is awesome. You can get the price increase letter at thegreenindustrypodcast.com. It's a plug-and-play template. Just put in your information, insert date here, insert name here, and in the most straightforward, concise way, it explains to your customer why you're raising. price it made him 200 grand each year and then you're going to raise the price again next year exactly back to uh the business athlete and you guys listen are like paul ask him better questions than this i i got fat jonathan i got (laughs) i step on the scale i weighed 235 pounds i'm like i weighed 207 not too long ago Mm. so when you said business athlete today it convicted me mm, that I, I didn't think about i mean i can think i can see like an nfl athlete fine-tuning their yep. body to go play in the super bowl but this is our super bowl this is our game and so you you mentioned your fitness ru- uh, routine what about fitness and supplements what about the sup or the pardon me what about the diet, diet and, and supplements? supplements i from a diet standpoint people are Everybody's different. So you're going to, a different diet for different people will make sense. I think you do need to eat to what makes you feel good and gives you energy. So I'm just going to throw some random stuff at you. There's a big movement around intermittent fasting. I've done that. I'm actually, I've moved away from it. And so I'm just going to use this as an example as to how you need to think about things for yourself. So Intermittent fasting and keto had worked for me at times and they've been great. In fact, at one point I was trying to shed some weight. I had put up twenty-five a $25,000 challenge to my coaching group that if I didn't hit my back, get back to 183, 183 was the number, um, which is my where I wanted to be. It was my ideal that I had to pay them or pay into the group this 25,000 bucks and we would use it to go on a trip. And it was my accountability to force myself. The way I accomplished that was through keto. And I felt pretty good doing that. And I've naturally for years been kind of an intermittent fasting person without really thinking about it. But what I have learned is my body actually does better if I eat more and smaller meals because uh, meals are a stressor on the body. So when you consume a big meal, your body has to digest that protein or that food. And so it makes you feel a little more tired. So Mm -hmm. kind of the business athlete thing, if I'm going to have a level of consistent energy throughout the day and not have 
an afternoon tiredness or late evening when I get home, a drop in my energy level, I need to be getting fuel sources throughout the day, smaller amounts of fuel that don't stress my body as much. And so I've moved more to trying to get protein and food as soon as I get up in the morning and then have more consistent meals throughout the day to keep my energy up. Now, I can talk about these things, and so I it makes it sound like I'm just nailing it and perfect in these areas. I'm not. These are things that I struggle with like everybody else, and I get busy, and I forget to eat my meals or do my things. But that, for me, I'm so just, I gave this example because everybody's different, so I, I don't always love generic advice. I have found that that's better than for me than intermittent fasting. My theory is the intermittent fasting works because what it does is it keeps people from snacking. That's the real reason why I theorize it works. You can press your meals into a smaller window and you therefore can only consume so many calories because you've got a limited time to consume them. And uh, so you just find what works for you. From a longevity standpoint, it seems like the data is fairly clear that that blue zone kind of, uh, and there's now a Netflix show on this, but this blue zone, the way they eat in uh, some of the other countries, it tends to be less meat, more fish, lots of vegetables, uh, beans and things like that. You're just a different kind of a diet. Um, that tends to be what most people see to be the ideal longevity diet. It's pretty good for me, but I, uh, there's also another piece of data and one of the biggest indicators of longevity and performance is muscle mass. Mm -hmm. So a lot of decline later in life becomes is from losing muscle, which then leads to falling or balance issues and things of that sort, which then leads to rapid decline, kind of kicks you out of the game. And so there's an argument to maintain muscle mass. So I personally subscribe to a higher protein diet mm -hmm. and, but I try to get my protein from a lot of different sources and I try to somewhat minimize the red meat side of things. Cause it's like, it's hard to know. Cause I also have a bunch of friends that do carnivore and they're just killing it. Like they feel great. So I'm just telling you what I do. So, but I think a foundational item is you want to build muscle mass and keep it up. It doesn't mean you have to be huge, but you just want muscle and you need protein to accomplish that. So that's how I think my core, the, one of the doctors I go to, and it just makes perfect sense. He's like, think about everything as a salad. And then you put your protein on that and then you find ways to supplement with protein. And so that's, that's how I subscribe to. So you're looking for when you're eating, how do you feel best? How do you, what, uh, what, what, how do you need to eat so that you don't have energy crashes or exhausted? Um, what can you be consistent with? What type of food uh, contributes to keeping and putting on muscle, things like that. So you mentioned exercise, sleep, diet, supplements. Uh, I forgot to ask you about sleep. What, what is your sleep tips? Sleep is my number one frustration in life. My number one, I just, it is my Achilles heel and it's a problem. I, um, I have had two sleep studies done. I've, one of the reasons I, the, the number one reason why I started going to a performance longevity doctor is trying to fix my sleep and we haven't fixed it. I wake up five times a night really, and it's very frustrating. Um, so I don't have all the answers, but I also know exactly what to do. And I also don't do exactly what I should do. I naturally love to be up late. I mean, I, my career was built on staying up till three o'clock in the morning because all my family goes to bed at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. I could still be dad. I could be present with my kids. And to accomplish that, I would from the house, go back to work from 10 till two or 10 to three in the morning. And then I'd get up at nine o'clock the next morning and or sometimes at seven because there was a meeting and sometimes at 10 it was all over the board i love staying up late and but 
I have learned that that does not help my sleep. And so I'm constantly trying to fix my flaws and become a, have a, a different rhythm, a little bit, stay up less late and get up a little earlier. The kids are grown though, right? They are. Um, and I'm just, I'm back and forth on that. What I have found is when I don't keep that lifestyle and I get up earlier, I go to bed by 11 and get up at say 7.30 and I immediately go outside. I take melatonin. I do I, all these things you could rattle off that a million people talk about from sleep. When I, when I actually do those things, I'm not on my devices at night. When I uh, quit thinking about anything work, I don't listen to podcasts, can't listen to audiobooks because my brain just gets going and I just can't sleep. If I don't do all those things, I do sleep better. I still have problems, but the problem is I don't do all those things. What's your I, caffeine intake? I had eliminated it for a while really? um, because I had a genetic test and, and trying to solve for sleep and found that I don't metabolize caffeine very fast. So I've never consumed ever more than one cup of coffee a day. And for me, like today I had a coffee and it's a grande from Starbucks Americano. Normally I just have a, like a little mug that's about you know, two thirds of the way full. That's all the caffeine I've really ever consumed. Uh, and because I don't, I, I just, before I even understood it and metabolize it, I don't want any addictions. In, like, I don't know, it's borderline if you call that addiction, but I don't want anything in my life that I feel like I have to do. Right. And so I've just never let myself drink a lot of caffeine. And then my, so what I've learned though, because I don't metabolize is I cut caffeine off really fast. I do not drink it later in the day. And I, if I drink it at all, it's only what I just described. Okay. So we covered uh, exercise, sleep, diet, and then your supplement routine. Yeah, this one is, uh, so I take at least 30 something supplements a day. And I don't want to prescribe much here, but I'll just talk about it. So I get blood work done every six months. I get all kinds of testing done every six months. And from that, we determine what supplements I should be taking or not taking. And so the only way I'm interested in doing supplementation at that level is through data, through testing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if I wasn't doing this testing, I would take D and I'd take some, uh, I would take melatonin, not melatonin, uh, magnesium. There are some core things that 100% I would do them without the data. But with the data, I'm willing to do uh, other supplements that are recommended. Like for example, maybe my bean levels need to go up or different things. So I'm taking lots of different things. Um, and so I don't think I want to mention all of the That's things fine. I take just because I don't want to, I wouldn't want somebody to take them and they might not be right for their genetics right. and what their deficiencies. But you would recommend getting blood work done and, and analyzing that and making a plan according to, to what you're deficient in. I'll do it the rest of my life. I believe in it. But I will also tell you that if you are not exercising, you're not sleeping and you're not eating right, then if you see supplementation as a magic bullet, um, it's not, okay. it's just you, when you get the other parts of life in line, this is the next level. This is additive, mm -hmm. but it's not the fix. And so, you know, I'll use the example that I think there's a dangerous, in, but 
there's a dangerous trend around taking testosterone. This is just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of there's a lot of businesses popping up that will now make you all these supplements and they'll give you testosterone. And they're wonderful businesses because once you get people on testosterone, they have to take it the rest of their life. So they're just beautiful recurring revenue businesses and they're popping up everywhere. And people are seeing testosterone, which does need to be elevated. This is, I'm not being negative, as the magic bolt that will fix all their other problems. But if you're not lifting heavy weights, you're not eating properly, you're not sleeping, you're suppressing your testosterone, And so it's a magic bullet. First, you need to fix the root cause. If you can't get your testosterone where it needs to be, then you supplement with it. And and I use that as an example because it's so wildly popular right now. So I'll just go back and say, before you even think about supplementation or messing with hormones or any of those things, let's fix the root things that we all have control over, regardless of how much financial um, ability we have. Got it. Well, Eventually, I want to get into your wonderful speech today, but I'm very intrigued by this three-year sabbatical. You mentioned Italy. You mentioned Asia. Can mm-hmm. you share a little bit of this world experience you had the last three years, where, where you went to and uh, how the adventures went? Yeah, sure. So I has, in the early days of my career, I was absolutely motivated to make money and be wealthy. Also in the early days of my career, I discovered I like this business thing. I don't know what I'm doing, but I really want to figure this thing out. And then the motivation became more about, I just want to build cool stuff and have cool companies and work with cool people. And I hope I'll make a bunch of money someday. But it wasn't, I was very quickly, I wasn't driven off just the money side. That kind of started that way as a, you know, a teenager. Like I wanted a different life than how I grew up. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've learned as I've had children is it's cool to have a great house. It's cool to have cars. It's cool to have all that stuff. I appreciate those things, but the novelty has gone very fast. Um, I still appreciate them. I still want them. And I encourage people to get those things if that's stuff they care about. But what I have found to be the single most fulfilling thing in our life has been experiences. And one of the kinds of experiences you can have is traveling. And so as early as we could, well, I didn't get a snowboard as a kid, so I didn't start snowboarding until I was 20 or so because then thanks to my brother, I got into it. And um, so I wanted my kids to have that experience young. And so as soon as we could afford it, we started traveling every year to snowboard. Then that got into, I want them to see the world. And so as a family where we allocated our money more than to homes or stuff was we have spent on trips for quite a long time. So we've been a lot of places and we've been a lot of places with our boys Um, Our boys no longer care to go to a lot of places. They feel like they've seen it all. Um, They haven't. (laughs) They only want to go on snowboarding trips now. And so we got to this place where it's harder to get the boys to go on these longer trips. They got their own lives and their friends and their things. And there are all these trips where you could just never, like I'll use New Zealand. It's been, we haven't, we're going in a next week and I'll be there for five weeks. Five weeks. (laughs) And we uh, never, we've never been to New Zealand, but it's the number one trip we've wanted to do since I got married at the very end of 21. It's been a bit now. I mean, it's been a bit since I was 21. It's the trip we've always wanted to do, but we didn't do it for two reasons. One, their summer is our winter. So maybe over Christmas break when the kids have an extended period of time uh, to go, I'm sorry, over our kids' summer, when they have extended time to go, it's winter there and we wanted to go for the summer. So we never went. And then also... It's stupid expensive to fly to New Zealand. If you're going to fly there, like I'm not staying for 10 days with our, we're going to stay for weeks. So the trip never happened. So I tell you that story to say there's a bunch of trips we've been doing that either our boys didn't want to go to go on, or we just never could make it work with kids in school. 
And so New Zealand's an example. A, spending time in Asia is ex- example. Spending extended amounts of time in Europe is an example. So we've been uh, probably in the last year and a half, we've been to Costa Rica, which we've, we had already been to twice before. We've been to Italy, England, Portugal, Slovenia, Costa Rica, rented a boat in Greece for a while. Um, I'm leaving out lots of stuff. Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, a lot. There's a lot more than that. I can't think of all this stuff. We've been in Colorado for a while. We've been um, Mexico for a while. We've been all over. So, But those are some of the big ones that popped to mind that we've done in the last now is your wife like a planner does she is she setting all this up where you're going to stay she hates facts and details and planning really she she is a very processed person but she doesn't enjoy the gathering of the data and the researching it sucks all the life you set it all up that and we've done a bunch of traveling so i have a rough idea of how to do these things but i have engaged with a um, travel group to help Mm -hmm. me which I would recommend if you find the right one. I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm uh, doing a gorilla trek. I'm doing a gorilla thing in Africa where we're following gorillas. It's a, and we have a guide. And I, these trips are so complex. When I have them planned, you just you sort of have the details and you get a number. And you have really no idea if you're overspending, if you're paying a big premium. And on this, we added this gorilla trek onto our Africa trip. And I was able to, because it's just a shorter period of time, so I was able to go figure out the details of this gorilla trip, because it's like 30000 just for this little piece. And what I discovered was I could have never booked this trip myself for only, 30000 is a lot of money, but I could have never booked this segment of the trip myself for only $30,000. It would have cost me a lot more money. And... I wasn't sure if using a travel person group was costing me a lot more money. And I just kind of told myself it's worth it because if I have to plan all this stuff in detail, we're not going to do as many things. And what I have come to conclude is if you find the right group, they will actually save you money and you don't have to do the work. Well, guys, I got some good news. Part two with JP Jonathan Potoshnik is coming up on the next episode. This is such a humbling time to get to talk uh, with Jonathan. And again, I want to say thank you to Naylor Taliaferro uh, for giving me the time and the space to interview Jonathan here at the LCR Summit 2024 in Atlanta, Georgia. Can't wait for Naylor uh, to have the next LCR Summit. This has been absolutely fantastic uh, to get to network with Jonathan and so many others here in the Creator Clubhouse uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, We do have the next community event happening right around the corner, February 23rd through 24th in Sweet Home, Alabama. Jason Creole, this is his fourth year hosting his event, the Lawn Care Life Conference, and I attended it uh, the last time he had it, and I'm really excited to attend it again this year. He's going to have a special guest, Alan Hain there, the Lawn Care Nut. Uh, of course, Jason will be there. Caleb and Brittany Allman are going to be there. Naylor is going to be there. Talia Farrow. Uh, Jeremy Vest is going to be there, who's a content creator coach. Um, and we're going to cover all the topics from how to get route density. If you have a uh, lawn mowing business, Naylor is going to teach route density. If you're wanting to get out of the truck um, and work on the business, not in the business, um, Caleb Allman is going to be teaching about how to get out of the field um, and hire the right folks. Uh, we're going to have a, a financial mastery Q&A with John Pajak, Jeremiah Jennings, 
Uh, we're going to talk about crushing content with Jeremy Vest, who did a great job at LCR Summit. We're excited for him to uh, be at Jason's event as well. And Alan Hain is doing the keynote speech. It He is world class. So looking forward to his insights on how we can grow our businesses and take them to the next level. But the real reason why uh, you should attend the Lawn Care Life Conference is for the networking. I mean, just alone this week at Naylor's event, getting to hang out with Jonathan Potoshnik is an absolute game changer for me. There's a few nuggets he gave me in the hallway, you know, not even from his speech, but just talking in the hallway and, and saying, hey, you should you should consider doing this. And it's like, yes, sir. Why didn't I think of that sooner? That's why he's big money, <laughs> JP. So anyway, you never know what's going to happen at these events. The last time I was at the Lawn Care Life Conference, I actually got connected with Joey and Megan Coberly, who are now my bookkeepers. Um, and have done a fantastic job of helping me understand my numbers. So you want to be in proximity to greatness and to these folks. And that's why I go to these events and, uh, you know, try to connect uh, my buddy, Chris Gentry from South Carolina. He, you know, he drove all the way to Atlanta and had a great time and he's, he's excited to go to Alabama. So it's just, you, you want to be around these people and, uh, you never know what's going to happen. So, uh, anyway, reserve your seat for the Lawn Care Life Conference. Um, that link is in today's show notes, but beware that once it sells out at 300 tickets, um, it will be sold out. So if you're planning on going, make sure you get your ticket today uh, so that you can have fun with us in Alabama. Again, part two with Jonathan is coming up on tomorrow's program, and I uh, definitely want to tune in for that. I'm telling you, I'm so fired up. I just got to go implement all this stuff I'm learning. So thanks for listening. Hope to catch you on the next episode. And please register for the Lawn Care Life Conference in Alabama. Hey, it's Paul. Is it time to elevate your lawn care business with Jobber? As a field service management software, Jobber has been a game changer for me since 2019, streamlining everything from quotes to payments and making customer communication a breeze. Tap the link in our show notes and see why over 200,000 home service pros trust Jobber to grow their business. Click the link in today's show notes or visit getjobber.com forward slash Paul to learn more. Hey, it's Marty, producer of the Green Industry Podcast. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services that you heard about during the episode. And thanks for listening.